Hey y'all, this is Pure Lunacy. Welcome back. It's been intense. It's been an intense 2020. Um, but our work doesn't end. Our conversations don't end. And we need to continue the discourse and the actions that we need to take as a society to make America a better country for ourselves and for our future generations. So earlier this week, I stated that I would oppose Candace Owens. And, uh, you know, I listened to her about 20 minutes spiel. And there's a lot of ways this conversation could have gone. And I, I, I considered how I would uh, discuss the topic of George Floyd. She gave a lot of numbers and she attempted to discredit the lived experience of people who have dealt with racism and discrimination in our country. Um, and I could, I could go down the numbers route. I could give you data, trust and believe. I'm, I'm an academic, I'm a researcher. Um, but I think what we need, we need to have a discourse. We need to have a discourse and a conversation rather than a rebuttal. You see, um, she went into a discussion of George Floyd being a criminal and a person with a criminal background. And she did not, I'll give credit where credit is due, she did not um, oppose the 100% uh, general consensus that what Derek Chauvin did was incorrect. He should not have killed that man. Um, but she went down this rabbit hole of he was not a hero and um, referring to George Floyd, he was not a hero and I will not uphold him as a hero. And um, I disagree in terms of how her rhetoric was presented. Because at this moment, we do not need divisiveness. In this moment, what we need is to listen to the communities that are saying there is a problem, to listen to our black community that is saying there is racism and discrimination in our country that we must address. You see, one of the one of the the problems that I continuously see in this discourse um, revolves around the statement Black Lives Matter. Now, if you're a person who supports Black Lives Matter, me stating that, you're 100% yes, Black Lives Matter. However, I've seen people who say, yes, Black Lives Matter, but all lives matter. Yes, uh, Black Lives Matter, but Blue Lives Matter. And for those of you who may have that sentiment, I want you to pause and just say, without any but in your subconscious and your conscious or verbally, say, Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives Matter. You see, that statement is not a negation of all lives. That statement is not a negation of blue lives. That statement is exactly what it is, a statement that says Black Lives Matter. And it concerns me that we have community members who feel this defensiveness. It concerns me and makes me wonder, what 
is it that is leading your defensiveness to not just say yes? Black lives matter. Full stop. You see, I had to think of an analogy. I had to, I, you know, I'm an academic. I'm one of those folks. And I'm like, how can I connect this to a situation where you didn't have a need to say yes, all lives matter. Or you didn't have to, to, to try and have a defensiveness to negate a position. And I, I came up with World War II. You see, in World War II, we lost so many lives. Millions, millions of lives. Lives of soldiers and lives of civilians. And when we discuss World War II, we honor those whose lives were lost. Especially those in Normandy. Just last week, we, we honored the lives lost in Normandy um, who went on to win the war against the Nazis and the tyranny that imposed on people. However, when we discussed World War II, when we discuss World War II, we also discuss the Holocaust. And when we discuss the Holocaust, something interesting does not occur. People don't say yes, but all lives matter. <laughs> when we discuss the Holocaust, we recognize that it is not a negation of the lives lost fighting in the war. It is not a negation of the lives lost in Germany, in Poland, in France, in Switzerland. We don't negate those lives negatively affected by World War II and the Nazis. When we discuss the Holocaust and the plight of the Jewish community in Germany, we don't negate the fact that the Nazis also put gypsies, uh, the disabled, gays in concentration camps. When we discuss the Holocaust, we recognize that this is a microcosm of the effects of the Nazis. And there was a concerted effort against the Jewish community at that time. And it needs to be highlighted as such, as a community that had massive negative effects against them. And it does not negate the massive negative effects of those around the world. When we discuss the Holocaust, we're not negating the negative effects of the Japanese and the Holocaust that the Chinese had to face due to the violence of the Japanese empire. When we discuss the Holocaust, it doesn't neg negate the effects of Pearl Harbor on our nation. With that frame of mind, I think that we need to look as a, as a whole, as a society, and say, when people say Black Lives Matter, it is not a negation of the disparities of other communities in America. It is not a negation or a rally call against whites or our police. It is a recognition of the plight of a community in our country. I'm a Christian, right? I'm not a perfect Christian, more like the prodigal daughter. We can definitely have a discussion about uh, my prodigal daughter ways another day. Um, but in the Bible, there's a verse in Hebrews. I think it's the first chapter of Hebrews and it says, rejoice when others rejoice, weep when others weep. And right now we have a community in our country, our black community, who is weeping. And it makes me concerned 
when we have a community that is weeping, that is saying, this is happening to us, let us open the discourse, but not just open the discourse, let us have action and policy that says this is not okay. We need to have this discourse. You know, when the protests occurred, I had a lot of people contact me. Um, and some of the most prominent people to contact me were people who were police officers, people who were serving on the front line. And the one thing that they asked was, you know, and, and in terms of statements between myself and those folks, was we don't agree with what Derek Chauvin did. We don't agree with discrimination or racism, but we ask for your prayers because we're about to go into this and it is getting intense. The situation is not good and it is getting to a point where it's clear that violence will occur. And we saw that violence occur and it's not okay. Let me be clear. I am a full supporter of the protests. I am a full supporter of your First Amendment right. And I am a full supporter of those who are fighting against racism and discrimination that we do have in America. Sorry, Candace Owens, I do not agree with you. You can give all the numbers you want every day of your life, wherever you find your numbers. Discrimination and racism is real in America. I'm not a supporter of the looting and the rioting and the burning of buildings. I'm, I'm not going to be in support of that. But I saw also the other side. I saw earlier today a video by a NYPD a gentleman stating, Stop treating us like thugs. Feels like everybody's going against us. And I want to take a pause because when he said that, I immediately thought to myself and said, if we take those words and we compare it to the voices and the words of the protesters who are out on our streets saying, stop treating us like thugs, the same thing is being said, but we're not listening. We need reconciliation, we need to have reform, and we need to have restructuring of our system, including our police system. I don't believe in this whole defund the police. I'm, I'm not going to be in support of that verbiage. Um, but in terms of restructuring, reforming, absolutely. And it's something that's been said from within the ranks for years. Let's be clear. I've analyzed, I've researched, I've had these conversations. And time and time again, one of the things that is stated from within the ranks of our police officers is they don't have the resources they need. You don't need police to deal with mental health issues. We have so many people who are dealing with mental health issues and they need mental health services. Unless you're rich, you're not going to get it. <laughs> There's so many people dealing with addiction, domestic violence, so many things that shouldn't fall in the laps of a police officer. We need to reinvest in social workers in terms of how to address some of these social ills that we have. Now, we, we could get into a whole discussion, a whole other rabbit hole just on that. But to go back, so, some of the things that 
we need to continue this discussion on is Black Lives Matter is not a negation of blue lives. It's not a negation of all lives. It is an affirmation that yes, under that entire scope of all lives, under that entire scope and umbrella of blue lives, yes, Black Lives Matter. It's an affirmation. If you feel a defensiveness about that, if you feel the need to explain yourself further, ask yourself why. If you want to have a conversation with me, you can have a conversation with me. I've had and I've noted and I've read and I've seen that there are people who are done with the conversations. They don't want to explain anything else. And that's fine. I'm open to the conversation. Let's have this conversation. But let me let me say this. Conversation means nothing. Talk is cheap. There needs to be action. There needs to be policy reform. There needs to be true transformation of what we're seeing facing in our communities and specifically our black communities and specifically our people of color communities. When you see somebody rejoice, rejoice with them. When you see somebody weep, weep with them. We are seeing these communities weeping. On another note, something that I, I just thought of um, as this is occurring, the president has stated that um, he's going to be identifying Antifa as a terrorist, a homegrown terrorist organization, which I agree. You're going to be inciting violence and your main purpose is to instill fear and violence in others. You're a terrorist organization. But Mr. President, and you know, also Senator Ted Cruz, while you're on a roll, let's make sure that we cover the whole gamut. While we're on it, absolutely, terrorist organization Antifa. And let's also include the KKK, white supremacy, Aryan Brotherhood, neo-Nazis, and any of the like. You see, Antifa may be the polar of this perspective, but we have another polar of another perspective, and we must address it. The FBI, time and time again, continue to mention and state and, and confirm in their analysis that the white nationalists, the Aryan Brotherhood, the KKK, the neo-Nazis are not only violent, but they are intentional with their violence. We have plenty to add to that homegrown terrorist organization list. If we're going to start with Antifa, let's make sure that we also include those who have also caused a ruckus in these protests. Just the other day, we had a man who is a known KKK leader not only run his car through a peaceful protest, people who were uh, successfully utilizing their First Amendment rights, he then got out of his car to shoot them or at them. There's a lot to cover in regards to this conversation. There's a lot to discuss, but I don't believe that this is the end. There will be people who are defensive. There will be people who don't want to have this discussion. There are going to be people who are clearly not going to be happy with me for saying, yes, I support blue lives. There are going to be people who are going to be mad at me who say, who say, how dare you say black lives matter? I dare. I say it because they do matter. But at the end of the day, this is pure lunacy. 
we need to have this discourse. We need to have this change. We need to discuss the policies of how we move forward. This isn't something that just affects Rockwall, Texas. This isn't just something that affects DFW. This isn't something that just affects Texas. This isn't something that just affects the US. We're literally seeing this as something that affects the world. Racism and discrimination is real. It affects all of us. So Candace Owens, as you sit there and you try to diminish the protests, the discussion with all your statistics and numbers, all you do is contribute to the rhetoric of those who just want to brush this under the rug. Yes, I'm a girl who believes we got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and if we see our communities are floundering, got to work harder. But what do you do when they don't have boots? I'll, I'll end with this. I have been a professor, oh goodness, five years now, an adjunct professor um, at a local community college and also a university here in Texas. And the conversation that is always the hardest to have in classroom setting is the one of discrimination and racism. It's always the hardest to have, not because of the facts, but because of the emotions. It is emotional to discuss the reality of racism and discrimination in America. It is emotional to discuss our past. It is emotional to discuss our present. And it's emotional to discuss what we would love to see for our future of an equitable country. I've had students who are young, or they're babies, they're 17, 16. And I've had students who are in their 60s going into their 70s who remember segregation. But time and time again, in those discussions, one of the greatest honors I have is to field and to allow a discussion in a setting where we acknowledge the reality and we plant seeds of what we intend to see for the future of our country. Y'all, the conversation we're having today is not black versus white. It's not people of color against the police. It's a simple conversation of everyone against racism and discrimination. My question to you is what side of the conversation are you on? My question to you is if you are defensive, why? We need to become introspective. We need to analyze, we need to reconcile. And then we need to take action to never allow this to become the reality of our future. Those in the 1960s planted seeds and many of them never got to see the shade of the seeds they planted. It is our generation's turn to plant a seed, to acknowledge that we're still fighting for a better America. This is pure lunacy.